Hello and welcome back to Pseudo Convos with Braden and Dylan. Today we're going to talk about Jordan B. Peterson's 12 Rules for Life, Chapter 8. Tell the truth or at least don't lie. So uh, the first thing I started taking notes on was when Jordan was talking about how he divided himself into two parts, one that spoke and one that acted. And I thought that was pretty interesting and it reminded me of the Socrates trial the trial of socrates where he was listening to his daemon like the the inner part of him that was divine Mm -hmm. and how he decided to act in line with that i think that's echoed in a lot of different stories throughout history but the idea of a conscience yeah the idea of a conscience and then just like dividing yourself into two parts like an observer and an actor i think i did that at a, a younger age where i try to divide myself into two parts but i would just i feel like i would not listen to one of the parts like I, I would try to like become numb like like one part was like hey you should do this like like almost ignore not ignoring my conscience but having my conscience be emotionally disconnected from what was going on in the world maybe. yeah for sure i agree like I, I would i would you know cut myself into two so that i could ignore half of myself not so i could like yep. use part of myself to to watch over and make sure the other part was doing what it was supposed to no i just didn't want to have to deal with the conscience for right now yeah yeah like one part of me definitely was like one part of me was the actor going through life and the other part of me was like a rational non-emotional part of me that was observing but then the non-emotional part was just like it was not guiding me as much as i it should have been it was just looking at what was going on rationally and then trying to manipulate into a way that would benefit me. Oh, that's, that's not exactly what I was talking about then. So like you, so the second part of you wasn't acting as a conscience, but it was like, how can we best manipulate the situation? Mm-hmm. So it so it's almost like, I guess it's kind of like Socrates Damon though, then like it was wrong. Damon. It was yeah, right. Well, yeah, it was a demon. Uh, it was, um, your like, in order to keep yourself from making your decisions emotionally, you cut half, you know, the decision-making part of you away from your emotions. Is that how you kind of internalize mm-hmm. it? Oh, okay. Okay. So that was, that was similar to what I was talking about. What I meant was I would cut the emotional part of myself away so that I didn't have to listen to it at all. And so I could do whatever I wanted. Like, you know, Hey man, you should feel bad. Cause you just did a wrong thing. I just didn't want to have to feel that. So it wasn't like I wanted to, act rationally i just didn't want to have to act based on Mm. empathy or compassion i guess that was that was what i meant that's like i I knew what i wanted to accomplish and if i had to lie to get there and i felt bad about the lie it was because i was weak almost (laughs) yeah pretty classic stuff i mean that's that's a nice theme right the the um if you don't think the ends justify the means then you're then you're weak and you're mean then your end must not be righteous enough right like Mm. yeah you're 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 pointing yourself toward a lesser good otherwise it would be worth it whatever the cost i think that's probably wrong for most of like i, I think it, most of my things are the it, are not the perfect good and so it would be in my best interest and the best interest of humanity in general if i didn't think any means justified the end, my ends like i am definitely not working toward the good of all humanity that's for sure not no, purpose, I mean, anyway I I definitely yeah I think I'm probably more enlightened than I was when I was whatever 12 years old mm-hmm. and I I don't know exactly what's 
highest good to aim for would be. So it probably is in my best interest <laughs> to assume that I'm ignorant of what the best thing to do and just do the right thing in the now and do like the, the righteous thing now. Well, and that's kind of how Jordan Peterson had mentioned it, right? So he, he made half himself examine his actions and, and wash himself so that he knew what was right because he, you know, he kind of trusted himself implicitly to understand the good and the bad. And when he did something bad, he could feel it and he had to analyze why that was and, you know, try to not do those things again. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice. I mean, I think that's, that's like, I bet that takes practice though. Like I can, Oh, it does. Yeah. I, 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 I try to do that with my significant other. Like, I don't know if what she does is wrong or if what I'm like, my emotional response to is wrong. Mm-hmm. So I just say what's going on sometimes. Like, to, like in, I'll say it out loud, like or to her, out, out loud, yeah. Okay. Like, like to yourself, though. I mean, like, like I'm trying to, like, like I, I know that I feel upset about something, but I don't know if it's because I'm just being a baby or because something is going wrong, and like I need her help to fix it. Like, if I feel overworked because I'm doing a majority of the household chores, mm-hmm. I will, I'll just say like, I feel like I'm doing too much work. I need you to do more, mm-hmm. and then we'll negotiate, find the answer where it's like, hey you need to do this because I'm doing way more that you just don't see. I just don't complain about it as much as you do. <laughs> that, that's, <laughs> that's, like that. that's, that's a nice conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I feel that within myself too, like with like, if I did something like, am I doing something wrong? Like I, I need to like say it or write it out louder. I mean, you have to, I think you almost have to say it out loud in a sense to really be able to, to hear it if it's right or wrong or I, I agree if you're you justified in reacting right you have to mm-hmm. so I, I okay my problem solving philosophy especially for the entire time I was in undergrad was if I have a problem and I told somebody else they would have to bear part of the problem but the problem wouldn't get any smaller and so I would just like in order to make it easier for myself I'd make it harder for somebody else and so why on earth would I ever do that? I wouldn't want to do that to them. What a selfish thing to do. And so I just didn't I understand your rationale. Yeah, that, that, that sort of makes sense. And so what I would do to make decisions was I would pretend I was telling somebody that in my head and have that conversation as it would play out. And so, you know, I believe that I know my friends well. And so I can predict what they would say in certain situations. So I could have the conversation with them without talking to them and making, you know, putting it on them. And so that worked pretty well. That's fine. I think that's a way of doing it. But I found out later, maybe just by realizing it or talking to people, like actually talking about this, that I think it was just a bad math problem. I think when I share my problems with other people, like the problems because they affect me are harder for me to bear. Whereas for them, if they were to take, you know, 10% off of, of the problem onto themselves, because it doesn't really affect them, they probably only bear two percent right it's so much easier for them to have my ten, you know ten percent of my problem than it is for me to have ten percent of it and so in sharing it it actually becomes a smaller problem not just the same size problem shared among more people that's that's how i saw it and i i just to for the first time ever um tested my hypothesis i had the conversation and then in my head and then actually had the conversation and i was wrong and so it makes me think that perhaps i was using myself to justify not hearing you know what i mean like like i just i wanted to do what i wanted to do and like 
fantasized about a perfect conversation in which my friend said I was doing the right thing. Yep. I can definitely see that happening. I mean, if I were to do that and like new information will come up and there's also something where you say something out loud and it, it, I mean, it sounds different. Like, like certain words mean something to you when you just think of them, but when you actually say them and you hear them mm-hmm. back, they kind of, they, they, they mean different things. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I've said, you know, oh, my girlfriend's making me so mad and then I'll explain the situation. And then the second I explain it, I'm like, I don't really, I'm not, that's not really that mad thing. You know what I mean? Like, like now that I say it out yeah, loud, that, I think that's I'm really upset not about something else. Yeah. I don't know why that would I think I just thing. didn't eat breakfast this morning. I think that's why I'm actually angry. Yep. And so it, I, I would like to go back in time and sort of talk through some, some problems and to see, <laughs> see if there are better situations or better, better uh, strategies out there than what I was doing, which is, you know, fine. I don't think it was a bad, like I solved all the problems satisfactor, satisfactorily with set to satisfaction anyway and so whatever yeah. i mean it's better to do what you did than to ignore right it. okay yeah and so the reason no whatever so just to bring it back a little bit but yeah so um i i cut myself in half in a similar way but gave the the observing part of me somebody else's voice and so for mm-hmm. like for example like if i would imagine having the conversation with you and i would just i would do both sides of it I'd be Braden talking to Dylan and then Dylan talking to to Braden all at the same time. And so, you know, do you think that's different than what Jordan Peterson is talking about, how he's watching himself? Do you think it, it matters that the voice or, or who's who you give the voice of the observer? I think when Socrates and Jordan Peterson talk about the daemon or the inner conscience, I don't think they give it a voice. I think the voice is already there. Like he, he says before, like much, I wrote this down somewhere, but uh, every man knows when he, <clears throat> when he lies, I think that's kind of mm-hmm. what he's talking like the, the truth and a lie, you know, if it's right or wrong in the moment. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you, you don't have to like assign a voice and have them determine whether it's right mm-hmm. or wrong. Like, like when you lie, you know, you do it. Yeah. But I think this, I, like, I agree with that too. Like, that's a great heuristic. You know, that, that solves most of the problems, but it's not a complete rule because I feel like it's possible to have an overactive conscience. You know, I, I could assert more harm to my actions than I actually felt and so feel more guilty mm-hmm. than I should, than, than I'm justified in feeling. Sure. I mean, I was just listening to something yesterday. I forgot where I got this, but I think it was probably Jordan Peterson talking about like reducing anxiety where if you don't eat breakfast and you don't get sleep, like there's a lot of physical problems mm-hmm. and that, and you, you go through your day where you hear a dog barking or something or something is just not going just right. And you say, okay, that thing is destroying my life. I feel extremely anxious and depressed because my, I got an email at work. I didn't mm-hmm. like, like, well, the email at work really isn't that big of a deal. Like there's a lot of other issues going on and your inner voice might not be able to, to understand all that mm-hmm. you you probably would have to just like hopefully talk to somebody who knows what's going on with you or i don't know exactly how you'd solve that problem but the inner voice wouldn't be able to yes to yeah, dissect that yeah. in the moment there are situations in which that yeah you're not capable of it but that's kind of an interesting one too because you know both voices are really yours you know so at what point are you able to to like see what's right and wrong and at what point are you not like 
do you have to have a, a strong state of mind? Do you have to have, you know, have to have been well fed that day, have to have slept well the, the night before? I mean, are all these things preconditions to a conscience or preconditions to a voice, a daemon? I mean, you definitely, you definitely need to be in some state of mind that's that's acceptable mm-hmm. for there to be a, a good yeah I, I would agree solid so, man do you think socrates if someone would have just given him a, a hamburger and then talked with him a little bit he could have solved that problem maybe you don't go <laughs> off into the woods and talk only to yourself for a long time and then drink if, if hemlock if socrates had a had a mcdouble would it would have he decided to kill himself <laughs> right would he have accepted his suicide or was he like you know maybe i can do better but he's remembered and so Clearly, some people think he is what he did was right, and there's... I think his act of protest was correct. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there is something to be said about just like whatever your conscience tells you to do, following it. Like, like you know, even if you're wrong, you have to live as though what you believe. You have to live as though what you believe to be right is right most of the time. You know, maybe be open to to um like some new evidence showing you that what you thought was right is actually wrong, but then you still live that truth out. You know, whatever your logic tells you, you should live it out until something's proven wrong. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, uh, you should definitely listen to your conscience all the time. I think it's interesting when you say logic, they talked about rationality in reason in this chapter quite a bit. Yeah, they, they call it like Satan, right? They, they, yeah, I mean, set Satan. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like enlightenment is, is also what I think of and just like logical thinking. And it was kind of cool how they, how Jordan said that reason, you should think of it more like a personality than, than this outside thing. And uh, the problem with reason is that it falls in love with itself, just like pride. Oh, <laughs> So I think, okay. So can you explain that a little bit more? What do, what do you mean by that? Um, so how reason falls in love with itself. It, it puts itself as the highest virtue and it, it no longer seeks anything above itself. It, it puts itself as the highest, the highest source of good. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, kind of explained a little bit in the Egyptian mythology story where I don't remember all the all the names. Set Horus, Osiris, I think, right? Mm-hmm. And so now I now I recognize my own ignorance because I I know the names, but which character does yeah. which is kind of important. So Set would be Satan, mm-hmm. which I assume would be reason. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know, like this. Yeah, I I couldn't give the the verbatim story, but but it, it makes sense to me still. Hopefully, people will understand partly where I'm coming from. Yeah. So, so do you think that that like, if these things are mythological, then the stories have to have some, like, it has to resonate within us, or for them to be archetypal anyway, they have to resonate within mm-hmm. us. We have to like, oh, that does make sense. And so, do you think that's a good metaphor? Do you think there is like reason and pride go hand in hand, and and like the 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 the, the sin, I guess, of of the intellectual is starting to like believing that what you know is all that there is to know. Something that I wrote down about rationality. Yeah. Hopefully this will make sense in the context, but rationality fails because it raises what it, what it knows now to a status that is absolute. So it can never be, it can never be 
changed. So if you believe something to be true now and it's not true in the future, you will still act with the previous knowledge and you will eventually fail. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, like that makes sense. I wonder if that's a, a sin of rationality. Like that doesn't seem very rational, right? That, that seems Mm -hmm. to be rationality paired with an excessive pride. If, if you were extremely rational and also extremely proud, that's the, that's what would happen. Right. I think I, I was reading just a little bit of Kierkegaard. Hopefully I don't sound too pseudo intellectual no, for this conversation. Hopefully you do. That'd be fantastic. We live up to our name. <laughs> but uh, just trying to remember what I saw earlier is Kierkegaard was trying to find a relationship between rationality and faith. And he was more or less saying that you need to, you need to have faith in in just searching for truth and that the rationality like believe everything you see in the physical world that is in line with your reason and anything that is not like searching for it oh um have faith that reason will prevail in the end is that what you mean and so like if if every if something is in line if the hmm, experimental results pair with what your hypothesis was you should maintain it and if it doesn't then you have to go and figure out why is that what you meant by that and like trust reason to be able to to find out why possibly we're pseudo intellectuals at least i am so <laughs> i mean that fine. makes sort of sense I, I i would expect that there is an answer to every question you know i think that's that's like a fundamental presupposition for science that we we want to know something and it is possible to know it everything no no matter what it is that you want to know it is possible to know it and then we go exploring for it otherwise you wouldn't look you know if i mm-hmm. if, if it was my presupposition that i could just nab i could never know what this was what would i what would i be searching for then if i go look for it we've had that discussion about philosophy right the value of philosophy if if you define philosophy as the pursuit of unanswered or the yeah the, the pursuit of answers to unanswerable questions then is it even valuable and i think that like what you said Kierkegaard's faith in reason i would trust reason to be able to solve all of those questions and i would look to mm-hmm. reason to do it but maybe that's my pride my the, the small satan in me thinking that what i know have you ever oh man there's a poem Hills, people are hills, and Alps and Alps arise. Dang it, I can't think of what it is. But um, the poem is talking about how in the pursuit of knowledge, you have a question and you get closer and closer to answering it. It's, it's similar to climbing a mountain. And you think, wow, you know, once I, once I learn all that I need to learn, I'll get to the peak of this mountain and I'll, and I'll look out over the world and, and see and know everything. But really, once the, once the person in the poem climbs, he reaches the peak, he just sees that it was a tiny peak over which there's mountains and mountains, like this never-ending climb. And I think, like, the pride Jordan Peterson is talking about, like, the, the pride of reason is in thinking once you answer the question, you know, is, is that first part. I... I know what there is to know, and I, once I know it, I'll know everything. I will, I'll, whatever, be God, you know, Satan's pride before the fall. You know, I'll, I'll be God because I know everything. But really, there's so much more to learn after it. So uh, why in, like, 
in the Bible or Milton's story or in the Egyptian mythology, when set Satan, when they lose the grace of God and they fall, they, is it because they fall because they are not paying attention to something that's above rationale? Are they, are they not paying attention to, to something that reason cannot explain? Yeah, probably, I guess. Or, or that their reason is absolute, maybe. They just, like, they don't focus on, on what's above reason, on, like, the faith or whatever, whatever would be above yeah. the, the unknowable. Yeah, I guess it's kind of an interesting correlate, you know, peril, parable or, or, or metaphor or something, because on the service level, I bet the answer is faith, right? Like, Satan falls because he doesn't trust God. But mm-hmm. and like what what is Satan a metaphor for there? You know, if if Satan is a metaphor for reason, what does reason not pay attention to to its detriment? I don't know what that is like, like greater reason, like, you know, the belief or, or that new information that you're talking about that um, you're not willing to incorporate new information to change and, and disprove your current understanding. You know, is that what is that what God is in there? God is the perfect information, you know, the, the, the actual right thing. And if you define your current state of understanding as the right thing and try to make yourself, your understanding of God to worship, you will inevitably fall due to the imperfection of your ideas. Possibly. I mean, that doesn't sound, doesn't sound wrong to me. Yeah, it does sort I mean, it does sound like right to a certain extent, I guess. I mean, I think those things are true, but I don't know how that pertains to like being truthful. You know, so this is tell tell the truth or at least don't lie. That's that's the rule here. And so mm. in in what 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 lie is is Satan or Set or you know whomever places the value of of or places greater value on reason than they ought to? What lie are they telling themselves? I mean, that they have all knowledge. But you have to like, like the yeah okay okay continue. I'm sorry I had to interrupt. Yeah, the, the that they have all knowledge that. I mean, I, I wasn't sure exactly where I was going to go with that, but they're not pursuing something of high enough value. Yeah, another. I mean, the the overlap between these rules is fantastic, right? And so the mm-hmm. an earlier, you know, your what you aim for is what you see. It's kind of important, you know. Satan or Seth is clearly not aiming for what is perfect and just because they're just saying that whatever they have is, you know, they're, they're defining what they have as perfect and just. Uh, I don't know. What... Yeah. Interesting. The Egyptian king, or, um, yeah, worshipped Horus, the son of Osiris. Horus took twin forms of a falcon, most visually acute of all creatures. Horus is by tradition uh, or horse is tradition aged and willfully blind and horse has to defend him from set cutting out his own eye Ugh, oof, i don't know i think i need to learn some more mythology because like you know how we talked about earlier how the uh, if a story is beloved if you know if a book sells 100 million copies and it says something true about people it has to mm-hmm. it has to, to speak to something true to them at <laughs> the same thing with mythology right if if Egyptian mythology persists through all the generations and people still think of it today. Some, there's some truth in it, right? 
Yep, there's I, something going on there. I enjoy how Jordan Peterson continues other other religious myths, not just the Bible. I understand that you know I think he was Christian, and because we're in the West, we're all you know we're our culture is based on the Bible, and so it would be easy to exclusively study that illusion of other mythologies, and he doesn't seem to do that, and so that's kind of cool. Yeah, he doesn't like. He doesn't talk about a lot of Islam or Buddhist. But he has or, mentioned it. He talks about Buddhism. I mean, he, he talks, talks about, about Taoism. Yeah, he's, he's mentioned it. But I think the the old stories, like the stories, is what he's more interested in than a lot of the. So, like the mythology the with the Bible, is pretty right? interesting. I, I haven't really heard him talk the actual catechism. You know, I think he's just talking about. Mm-hmm. He talks about this. Yeah, the stories, the stories, and how they they tell archetypal tales. <sighs> I love the joke he makes. So the man, again, sometimes I, I need to read these chapters like 11 times because even though I've read it twice, I still sometimes forget while I'm reading it, how it has anything to do with the premise. And so, you know, he, he's, he's, he's such a great writer and each, at each moment I'm understanding what he's saying, or I feel like I am, or I'm, I'm having revelations about the, the like, Oh, what a great paragraph or a profound sentence. I get it. And then, you know, he's talking about an old Soviet joke where an American dies and goes to hell being shown around. And, and mm-hmm. you know, eventually the punchline is that the they go to a, a burning hot cauldron and there's no demon having to guard the people who are, are destined to boil in this cauldron forever because they're the Russians. And every time one of them tries to leave, the others tear them down. Like, what? How does that have anything to do with lies? Like, I, I just don't get what that was even about other than, oh, that does make sense. Like, you know, you can... It's a, it's a part of us who fights against other people, and you know what I mean. Yeah, there was a, there was a small part where he was talking about how big lies stem mm. from little lies, and how a culture can fail because everybody tells little lies. Like that's what Alexander Solzhenitsyn was getting in, like when he was in the the gulag. How that the gulag only persisted because of the little lie that all of the Soviets yeah. told themselves so, every like, day. They're the reasons why the um, Russians in in this hell were actively working against each other. It's like yeah, that's a metaphor for them having all been complicit in this lie. They they brought they brought their own culture down by everyone agreeing, not even agreeing, but everyone speaking little lies over and over again until they became big lies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is super scary. scary if, you know, we've talked about it again. Something <laughs> the um social justice and and political correctness and things i i hear a lot of things that i disagree mm-hmm. with and i don't say anything <laughs> i just kind of and so i know right and I'm so very ultimately i will have to bear the consequences for those for, for all the times i didn't say anything even today sorry well i mean yeah ho- hopefully like i stand up soon so i, <laughs> I bear okay so how is this chapter so that'd be kind of an interesting thing for us to talk about in each segment. So like to, to try to find some truth in this. And if we find truth, try to find some way to incorporate it into our life that makes an actionable difference. And I would like, are, are you, do you believe what Jordan Pearson is saying so much that you're willing to say the things you haven't been saying? I definitely think that this chapter, when I read it the first time, back in like whenever this book came out like 2016 17 i tried hard to not lie about anything 
And I think that did have a, mm-hmm. a positive difference. And then he found out that one one time um, it wasn't so easy. And it, in the moment, it actually helped a whole heck of a lot to lie. And so you're like, oh, never mind. Maybe you, yes. you relearned, you rediscovered the value of this untruth. I think I, uh, the thing that still happens to this day is like, I will find the truth. And I'm so like, I feel like that's like uh, an example would be like, oh, I don't want to work out. It's like, because like, oh, I'm kind of tired. I would tell myself, no, you don't want to work out because you're lazy and it's hard to work out. I'm like, oh, nice job. I found the truth. It's yep. because I'm lazy. Well, yeah. there, that solves <laughs> yeah. the problem. And then I won't work out anyways. I'm like, well, okay. Well, I found the truth, I guess. But I still, now I'm lazy. Now I just that's know that's great. true. Like, well, what really do I do cool with this information? That, that means the thing, the lie you were telling to yourself about lifting wasn't the reason not to lift. Right? Because ultimately, if mm-hmm. lifting is a good thing for you, it's the right thing to do. If it is, you know, we're just going to assume that it is then figuring out the truth would have caused you to lift and it didn't. And so what, what untruth were you telling yourself? Do you think? I think uh, what I need to tell myself is that I need to lift. I don't need to enjoy. (laughs) Yeah, actually that's a good point. Like don't, don't measure a successful lift by how much you enjoyed it. Yeah. Like I'm not supposed to enjoy my suffering Mm -hmm immediately like it's called delayed gratification not gratification (laughs) that's a that's a great point like i judge a good video game by how much i enjoyed playing it i I judge a good meal by how much i enjoy the the first bite you know and not how much i feel like i I digested something worthwhile the next day it's it's funny that i I forget that a lot another that uh video i was watching yesterday by jordan by jordan peterson he was saying like how it's it's important that you eat a good breakfast that you eat like a lot of protein in the morning is what his thoughts were and then he's like i know that a lot of people say that they're not hungry in the morning but i that doesn't matter like i said eat breakfast don't enjoy <laughs> I didn't breakfast ask you how hungry you were like you're not trying to say your your hunger yeah. that's kind of funny <laughs> okay why did you just say something irrelevant like I didn't ask that's, how that's true but just like a lot of things like it's like hey i really should clean my room like like clean your room like it don't like you don't have to like enjoy cleaning your room like this is something that needs to be done like things that need to be done aren't always enjoyable yeah. while you're doing and, it. yeah man that, that's so good to know mm-hmm. even if it's the truth it's actually the right great thing. Like, because okay. i think in a lot of the time so for example in in school if i have to do an assignment but i really don't want to i probably convince myself or i, I let myself get away with not doing it by telling myself a lie i say i'll do it later or it doesn't have to be done. You know, it's not really important. This is more important. I'll watch one more episode. Yeah. Not a priority. And so, like, that, this is kind of a poignant thing. Like, tell the truth. Don't, don't lie. It is important. You said it was important. Don't, don't try to convince yourself that it isn't so that you don't have to do it. If it's important, do it. Ugh. Mm-hmm. My life would be better if I, if I obeyed rule eight, which is kind of what this is, right? It's not supposed to be like a profound, like, oh, now, I, now it's never hard to do things because I know I should just tell the truth. It's, it's giving you <laughs> the, the answer regard. Yeah. Don't yeah. hide. Like it's, it's gonna, the problems, like, I mean, it says a lot throughout this book, but like suffering is going to exist regardless. Like mm-hmm. don't hide from it. Like it's, it's going to find you no matter what, like, it it will be better if you deal with things earlier than later. You don't get away like with as much as you think you do. 
Yeah. Arguably yep. nothing. You, there are consequences and no, whatever they are, you bear them. And just because you convince yourself in the moment that skipping your assignments or not cleaning your room is of no value. Well, we'll see, you know, Right. You didn't trick yourself. Like you, you didn't like now it's like now your room's gonna be clean because you tricked yep. yourself oh, and you didn't yeah. clean it. I'm, like, that I'm actually okay with it being messy. No, you're not. You're not you yep. you're actually upset about it. Oh my that. gosh. How many times have you had like a oh, I'm gonna leave this for future me and then you get to future me and you're like, What a prick. Like you had all the time in the world to do this yesterday. You could like so you could go to class for four hours two hours whatever and then have all day to do anything else literally guilt-free you did all the things you had to do today but instead i just won't and i'll do the things i shouldn't be doing guilt-full and then you know ruin a whole day because i have to do all this work yeah like playing <laughs> video games all the time yeah i'm, you don't I'm have to familiar explain it to me i've done it oh my gosh oh. Oh, I need to get a haircut, go grocery shopping, work on all this stuff, do actual work that I get paid for. Or I could just play video games all day. And then by the time where I would normally be done, I have all this extra time to play video games. Unfortunately, this 16-hour long binge of video games is mm-hmm. not going to make me happy. Which is crazy. I, so I used to get really mad about sleeping. So it was humorously brought up that you, know, you have to, in order to see the truth, you have to be properly fed. You, know, you have to eat right and get appropriate sleep. And I used to not sleep. My my view on sleep was that if you like to sleep, you're saying I'd rather not exist than exist. I would prefer to be unconscious for a third of my life rather than exist. And I just was not willing to make that statement. Well, I, was, I, was, I wasn't willing to, to embrace that truth. I did not think that was true. It's kind of like the, you know, who, who was it? Was it... Um, who, who hypothesized that if, if you were honest with yourself and you were courageous, then you would probably end your life because life isn't worth living. Who was that, was that Solzhenitsyn who, who said that? Tol, Tolstoy. Uh, that was okay. Tolstoy, well, I think. I don't agree with that. No, I don't think that's, that's a good thing to live. But anyway, um, at the moment, I was pretty sure of my convictions. And so I slept as little as I possibly mm-hmm. could. Too crappy. How'd you right? feel? And so like, like it, it was weird because <laughs> like I do believe that the least, if you slept as little as possible, your life would be better. But not sleeping at all is not as little as possible. Like, like so I, the, the most I ever did was in a seven day period, I slept only 14 hours. And so it was two hours a night for most nights. And then two of those seven times I slept for an additional two hours, like later. So, you know, two, two, two hour naps. And so I could do it. It was fine. You know, I, I wasn't dead, but I certainly wasn't feeling well. I certainly wasn't at the, at my peak. So it's, I would be interested in trying to reduce my sleep from like, I probably get at least eight hours, if not a little bit more reducing that down Mm -hmm. to like six. And to see if that's probably would be eventually, I guess, you know, I think the most important part is that you don't vary the time that you wake up. If you, mm-hmm. oh, that's, I do want to vary that. I want to. I want to be one of those four AM gym people. I, I don't know how bad I want that, but I think I think cool. I want that a lot more in the summer because it's bright. Like I think what I really want is to be. Mm. Oh, it's gonna be. It, I want to be productive when there's sunlight outside. That that's that's what I want. And when there's not sunlight, I don't want to do anything. And I'm sure that's. 
there's a feeling though when you get to the gym before the sun and if you finish your workout as the yes. sun is coming up you're like i oh, I, I beat the sun i am more <laughs> yep, i work yep, harder yep. than the universe yeah i agree so <clears throat> i used to work at 11 a.m starting at 11 so almost noon but i worked out with my brother and got up at 4 a.m sometimes 4 30 to, to work out with him and by the time we were done working out at 6 30 i'm like wow i've already gotten up had breakfast driven you know to eau claire worked out and now i've you know it's it's 6 30 what the heck i'm so productive i felt really good it's just getting my worthless tired hind end up at 4 30 a.m was extremely difficult I, and uh, I mean, we talked about this before. I'm sure we'll come back to it eventually. I don't know how to do that besides mm-hmm. being a tyrant. Well, it, but... It, but it's the truth, right? So <clears throat> it, mm. it's the truth that you will feel better. Yeah. Is it yeah. worth feeling better? Mm. Is it worth doing a good thing? Like, can I get away with doing less? Like, I don't know. Like, should I, I should probably Tell do the truth as much as I can. Don't lie. But... I wonder how that could, like, you said, be a tyrant. You know, is it a tyrant to to not let yourself lie to yourself? You know, it's almost like you're doing yourself a favor. It's not, it's not being a tyrant. You're just saying, hey, you're, you're, you're being um, a dictator, I guess, but a, but a benevolent one. <laughs> yeah, I, don't I won't allow you to lie to yourself to your detriment. Oh, how dare you take away my freedoms? Hey, dude, that's... <laughs> I want what you want. I just want it in a better, smarter way than you do. I don't even, that's, that's kind of confusing because when I think of a tyrannical, a tyrannical element of anything i feel like lying is incorporated within mm-hmm. tyrannical elements so if you're a tyrant like it's like kind of like in, in a joking way like what what america is like hey we are a force of a ginormous military force that will demand freedom throughout the world you're going to compel like, freedom okay. that doesn't make any sense it's a bit paradoxical yeah like you are you're forced to have mm-hmm. freedom of speech no matter what like well <laughs> okay i guess that's it's it seems oxymoronic right enforced freedom yeah yeah to demand but, so, so you tell I think the truth there's some some point here that i think would be nice to explore the the difference between it you know being a tyrant and someone benevolent and so i agree with you that to be a tyrant there's a there's a, an aspect of lying involved when, when i think of the word i think of lying and so how can you like force yourself to get out of bed without lying? It'd probably be because the, the way the, the means you're using to get yourself out of bed are lies. And so like, get up or else I'm like, Oh, well I better get up because uh, you know, I'll probably kill myself if I don't get up. Cause you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a tyrannical dictator. I'll do that. I'll send myself to the gulag and you won't. And mm-hmm. so that was a lie. That was like a false threat. And once you, yeah. So right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, Chop like, off a finger. If you try to force yourself with no consequences because you are yourself, then you've just lied. And once you call your bluff, you realize you have absolutely no power in the situation. <laughs> I am not willing to punish mm-hmm. myself at all. And so if I choose to not do anything, that's just what it is. I'm a spoiled child. And then like I I also try to motivate myself by giving myself reward. So it's I'm telling myself, hey get up at four o'clock, go to the gym. I'll give you a reward. Like, well, the thing I want most right now, is sleep. <laughs> exactly. Can you give exactly. me that. I mean, interesting thing because I was talking to my brother about this and we've talked about it before. You really, there ought to be rewards. You, you have to have things that are extremely valuable, but like the Buddhist kind of thing, your, you know, dissatisfaction comes from wanting things. If you don't want anything, you'll be satisfied. Kind of, but yeah, but, but, 
exactly. I, I don't know, but I just I'm saying wanting things are good because it's it's desire for things that causes action, and I would like to be I would like to act, and I can't do it without rewards. There are, I mean, I was thinking about that too, how I was, I was talking to my brother about this as well, like how to, when you achieve goals or when you do something you're supposed to do, how do you reward yourself? I'm like, man, I wish that there was human treats, yeah. like there are dog treats and mm-hmm. then I just absolutely love them. And I would just give myself a treat. Like, I wish I really liked chocolate because I would maybe mm-hmm. just carry around a chocolate bar. And every time I do something good, I would give myself so The problem with that is I can give myself anything, right? So, you know, like, like there's nothing that's so costly that, that I can only do it as a reward that I can't, you know what I mean? Like, okay. So give myself chocolate as a reward because chocolate is, is rare and valuable. Well, if it's rare and valuable, I can't just give myself chocolate anytime I want it. And if I can just give myself chocolate anytime I want it, I'm just going to buy chocolate and now I'll eat chocolate a lot, you know, like, right. Exactly. Like I oh, beat the system. You know, if I just, if I get up early, go work out, do my homework for the day. I'll buy myself a new TV. Well, well, that's good. Maybe once. What are you gonna do tomorrow? You can't like. Oh, I'll reward myself with a new PlayStation. Like, come on, dude. You know, we got we got like two more days of this before we're poor. And so, I know it's hard because yeah, any reward that I would give myself, I can just yeah get yeah. rid of the action and just. It's do almost that an thing. exercise in in making a Christmas list. Like, what do I want the most? That'd be kind of interesting, mm-hmm. actually. So I wonder if there are big, like, you could you could craft rewards as a tier, you know, tiered. And so you have you have tier one rewards. So you get chocolate every every. So like you could get chocolate up to ten times a day. You know, for every each individual little thing, you get a piece of chocolate. If at the end of the day you crossed off all of the lists for your tenth piece of chocolate, instead of chocolate, you get a beer. Then if you, for seven days, of course, that'd be pretty bad. You shouldn't have just beer every single day and whatever, whatever. We'll call it a beer uh, chocolate, or whatever. Ah, whatever. We'll call it something else. <laughs> Some healthy, you can have an apple. I don't know. I don't know what one, I don't know what one step above <laughs> chocolate is in the hedonistic thing, but you get that. And then at the end of the week, if you've got all the seven of those, mm-hmm. you get the bigger one. And then again for a month and a year, but I don't have that many tears. That's interesting. I, I, um, in a previous podcast, I'm not sure if we published that one, but you said that if you continued to journal every day for a week, yeah, you wanted me yeah. to say good job to you. And then I think having my significant other like have like tell her like, hey, this is what I'm planning on doing. This is the goal I'm shooting for. If you see me working towards that goal, please tell me good job. And like, I don't really like candy that much. Like, I need you to notice it and to tell me. Man, that, good that, job. that's true. I hope that would be extremely effective and easy and free man so why not do that well Mm -hmm. i don't want to share the fact that i desperately need your approval right because i might fail and i don't want to fail it's kind of interesting you bring that up because i've definitely not been journaling i I skipped a whole week of journaling (laughs) yeah bad job kind of i should should do it i know that i should do it but i wasn't seeing any like i don't know (laughs) it's almost like the the what i was using it for was like I don't want to say mental health because that has sort of a stigma to me for some reason. I don't know why I'll have to explore that later, but um, I was using it to like decompress at the end of the day, which means one that it was at the end of the day. And so it gave lots of opportunities to skip doing it. 
and then like oh i'm really tired at the end of the day so i just go to sleep instead so that wasn't very good but also some days i didn't need it you know i wasn't compressed you know i felt perfectly fine mm-hmm. i had a great day like i don't need to have this thing at the end of the day to make me feel better about the day and so i would skip it then too and so like it just seemed it, it got it got a, a habit of skipping which kind of you know continued so in uh jordan peterson's newest book beyond order chapter one he talks about sanity and how that the how sanity is maintained through interpersonal relationships is his theory and i think there's another like carl rogers i believe also Mm -hmm. has a similar theory but in journaling you are kind of in communication with your thoughts and expressing that to to yourself which is kind of a form of communication but in the in the order of maintaining mental health like i feel like this podcast where we talk back and forth and on complex ideas like that is a way for me to maintain yeah, sanity in 100%. a sense. So maybe you don't need the journal as much because which, we're doing this. It's a great point. No, no, I don't think it is or a that's lie. A lie. Exactly. I think this is like, <laughs> I think, I think this is, I yeah. think what you said is true. I don't think it's a lie. And maybe I'll think about it later on. Yeah, I'm not saying, I'm not defining it as not a lie, but as of right now, it sounds true. It doesn't so, feel like I'm lying right now. What I've, what I've thought about is, and my brother actually gave me this idea, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't just take perfect credit, but he's like, just like use your journal as notes for the podcast. Like now it's useful. Like, like you're still writing stuff down. And if you feel like having a day where you write more than that, you know, fine. But you know, if every single day I wrote notes for this podcast, it would one be constantly, you know, getting a habit of writing it and it would be productive too. You know, like it would, like it would just, that would be good. I want to do well on this podcast and more notes would be better and more journaling would be better. So that's just, that that would be the reward almost a weekly reward for my, for journaling appropriately. Mm -hmm. That's the hard thing about goals where if you don't see the value in it, it's like, hey, I should, I think keeping a journal would be good. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of people say it's good. It's good to do what everybody yeah, trust else does when they say it's good. Yeah. So you do it and then you're having a tough time finding the value in it. It's like, well, right. I'm yeah. not going to do it then if I don't, like, I'm not going to do a chore just because mm-hmm. I tell myself to do it. Like I need to, I need to understand what's yeah. going to be at the end of exactly. this. And that's exactly it. It wasn't really seeing the point. And so, I don't want to throw it out because there's some wisdom in it. People have been journaling for however long, millions of billions of years, probably. I'm pretty sure it's how long. And so, and so there's got some value yeah. and I just want to find it. And so I, I'm going to, I'm going to change the genre of my journal and start doing notes for the podcast. So hopefully we'll have a more directed podcast. Maybe we'll see. Let me know if you can tell the difference starting today though, not, not including today, starting from today. Right. Yep. The next time I write in my journal, it will be about the podcast. Um, I wrote down some stuff about Al- Alfred Adler in the Life Lie. Do you remember reading in that the stuff? Po- in this chapter? No. In the chapter. Yep. Could you, um, perfect. Can you give me a small rundown? More of it? or less. As if, explain to me like I'm five. Yeah. So the so a Life Lie is a is a lie that you tell yourself that you like, you're going to fail at something because other people or circumstances beyond your control don't allow you to succeed. And you tell yourself this lie in efforts to free yourself from personal responsibility. A uh, example I thought of just today when I was talking with a friend is that there was a, a girl that was struggling to 
to buy a house. She was renting and she wants to buy a house, but she's having a tough time. And she told everybody and told herself that she's unable to get a house because she's a woman. And I think that that is just a lifeline that she. It'd be nice if that was the case, so it wouldn't be her fault, but yeah. Yeah. Like, I I don't believe that's true. Like I, I have a mother who is a very successful realtor that sells houses to women. Like women can buy houses in America. Like like America is you, (laughs) everything about America has benefited from more people buying things, right? Like who wouldn't want to sell? Do you think people don't want women to own things or don't want women's money? But yeah, I do. I do know what you're talking about. But the, yeah, just lies to free yourself from Mm -hmm. personal responsibility was the, was the, the main. Yeah. How many times have I, instead of doing schoolwork said, ah, it's not it's a stupid class. It's, it's dumb. Anyway, it's useless. So I didn't have to study probably a lot. Mm-hmm. I think this is, that's the, the basis of the victimhood that we see in a lot of modern culture. It does seem to be that way. Yeah. So not, not to get our podcast canceled. And so maybe we can talk about this a little bit later, but uh, one of the in private at um, tabs of mine, my, my incognito mode tab searches was, um, I want to know where in the world the richest black people are. And do you know where in the world the richest black people are? Um, the, the United States. In Africa? <laughs> and so, like, oh. the, the, the idea of, of oppressive racism and stuff, like, hey, literally in the whole world, this is the best it's ever been done. And so, like, I agree it's imperfect but like it's not like other countries are doing it better than us like don't don't break down like it's it's sort Mm -hmm. of um if you believe the system is flawed then you should work to fix the system you shouldn't work to bring it down to its foundations you know let's not collapse the whole thing because this is the best it's ever been done let's use you know let's start from here and go forward not start over and see what we can do because all the other countries in the world are the product of starting from scratch essentially and they're doing it worse. Why would we do that again? Yeah, I completely agree. I think that there, I mean, most of the time, unless something's perfect, mm-hmm. there should always be change. So in that sense, I am a liberal and I want things to be changed. But also, I don't want to change. Like there is a risk mm-hmm. to changing anything. So we should, whatever we change, we should be very cautious about it. And right, I, I agree. Well, yeah, that's that's how I, I define conservatism. Like people talk about conservatism or liberalism to me it's in my mind it's just how fast are things changing or how fast would you like them to change i believe a liberal would like things to change extremely fast and a conservative would like them to change Mm. slowly i'm much more a slow change kind of person than a fast one i mean and that's experience my own life too right like i i make decisions that are important extremely slowly and with great care in my personal life so at least i'm living out (laughs) what i what i say to be true Yeah, I, I definitely agree with a lot of that. Um, another part of this, I, I mean, I don't want to oh, dawdle too much on the race thing. I, I, don't needed know why. To mention, I, mean, I needed to mention okay. the, uh, that in private window because it was kind of humorous. Something that I thought was funny, not really funny, but in this chapter, they I don't, I don't remember what part of it, but I just mm-hmm. remember hearing it, I, I think, is that like if you lie, you can actually become physically sick if you or at cognitive dissonance Mm -hmm. within yourself. And then a friend of mine is in an internship right now 
and she hates going there just can't do it and she said that it's not difficult it's not like physically or mentally demanding in a sense like i know i'm good at it but i can't get myself to do any of it and i would rather like i i truly wish that i had food poisoning or some type of physical illness where i don't have to go because i can't stand going there and lying to everybody saying that i'm having a good time dang and that is just that's brutal i mean i did, i played it up a little bit because i'm very theatrical and great at podcasting but i think we both felt something similar to that where we just we couldn't go to work mm-hmm. it was completely meaningless and i I couldn't bear living that lie anymore that I was having a good I mean, time going. I, I did that. Yeah, I have, I have felt that way for sure. But I mean, we felt the way for like wrestling, cutting weight, you know, it makes you pretty depressed and I hated doing it. And I would, I considered intentionally breaking my own wrist or trying to in a, in a throws practice. So I just wouldn't have to wrestle anymore. Luckily I didn't do that, but you know, same thing. Yeah. Do you remember the time where that one wrestler broke his arm? Yeah, like, oh, and we all felt jealous, on, dude. It's like, why couldn't that be me? Mm-hmm. If I broke my arm, it's, it, it's kind of interesting because it's, it's almost lucky. like it, it has to be not on purpose. Otherwise, you'll feel weak and guilty and stuff. Man, if I just accidentally broke my hand, that'd be so awesome right now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But I think I felt that way with like my job at the hospital. Sometimes I think the extreme, like what I what I was doing there was like the person said, extremely easy mentally and physically but extremely boring and, and like mentally taxing to do like not mentally emotionally taxing. Yeah. That's what it was. I believe it's just like constantly being having, like having to smile, having to keep a professional aura mm-hmm. about you. Oh, someone asked me, I, I, I don't know. It was interesting because someone asked me, so how, how are you liking, you know, this job, you know, now that you've been here a few months, what are you thinking about it? And I was honest. I said, it's extremely, it's, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I said, it's extremely boring. And like, and just saying that truth, like, what did I think about the job? That's what I thought about it. That thing, that's exactly what it was. And so that felt really good. And so, you know, perhaps there's some truth to the (laughs) truth will set you free kind of a thing, right? Like you're, if you're stressed, because of a lie just try telling the truth i bet i bet you'll feel better i don't know i mean the the true true thing probably would have been like don't do that job anymore i guess so i certainly didn't live that perfect level of truth but just a little bit of it was nice i do get into that scenario a lot where i don't know i don't know exactly what the person's asking and so i don't give them i don't try to give them the truth i just Mm -hmm. give them a nothing empty platitude exactly lie but like but like, hey, how's it going? Like, I don't believe that they're actually asking me to tell them mm-hmm. what I'm thinking right now. I just you say, like oh, a greeting. Fine. Yeah. How's your job? Yeah. Like, oh, job's going fine. Still mm-hmm. have a job, so that's good. Like, I don't tell them that. Like, <laughs> I have been, I've been trying to avoid work as much as possible because I just don't care <laughs> about it anymore. Yeah. Right. Like, and it's so crazy. So okay. Like, is that lying or is it just like? Is that the correct way to go through it, life? It depends on who you're talking to, right? And so if, if you're talking to someone who is does, asking you for that, like is asking you, oh, how are you doing? Because they're just trying to say hello. Then it's not lying to say it. But if I were to ask you how you're doing, I hope you, you know, I hope you would tell me the truth. Oh, how's your job doing? I hope you tell me the truth. Mm-hmm. And so 
if you chose to lie about it, then I think that would be probably a lie. You know, you had an opportunity to tell something honest and decided not to. Like, it reminds me of what mm-hmm. I was telling you. Like, I would just um, uh, pretend I was talking to my friends about a problem because it would be, you know, that, oh, basically the same thing. And I think when you just say, how's it going? It's going well. It's the same kind of thing, right? You you take the stock phrases you had planned years before, right? Whenever someone asks me how I'm doing, this is how I answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, living the dream. And you've in, in, done it instead. Yep. I think this kind of leads me to a segue where I was just daydreaming. I don't have a specific way to answer this question, but how how do you think that lying, like when you tell a joke, you're lying in a sense, but that definitely feels okay and like almost like a good thing. It's like to tell an untruth in a funny way is kind of like telling a deeper truth. Yeah, and I think most people can understand what a joke is. Like if you laugh about it, it's probably mm-hmm. a joke and you, you like you forgive some untruths. Like as you were t- telling me a story slightly punched up and exaggerated, like I assumed she didn't have some Shakespearean meltdown, but I, you know, mm-hmm. that actually can, that conveys it more honestly to me because I've been trained my whole life to dial things back. It's kind of like the, uh, if you, if someone asks you, Hey, how's it going? And you say, okay, that probably tells them, that you're not doing well right like even though you didn't say i'm not doing well Mm -hmm. the fact that like there's some shared language there and so like jokes are kind of shared language it's not a lie you just you know just because the words you're saying aren't literally true they they tell a truth and so that's fine i still think i need to get better at that i do know what you're saying but the exaggeration of almost every single story (laughs) i tell where the whatever quantity I say, just divide it by 10, and that's probably the more appropriate yeah, I guess. number. I, I had like 50 hot dogs well, today. Like five. Really? I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, that's it, true. It, I think it comes from like an insecurity in, like in, my, in my own self. Like when I do that, it's because it was amazing. I don't trust my, my listener to, to get how crazy it was. And so let me help you. Imagine, imagine hearing <laughs> exactly. this in all caps. But, and that's like, I don't know, that's, that's sort of an untruth too, because. You know, that's an assumption that your, you know, conversation partner is an idiot. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people can understand that five bologna sandwiches is probably too many. So if I I don't have to say ten, I don't have to say twelve. I'll just say five, and hopefully that we both mm-hmm. understand that but I should be opposite, that. right? Where I've told the story exactly as it was, and someone just didn't react. Like, how do you not? Like, that's that's crazy. That's that's unreasonably a lot. I don't know. That's five seems like a, a normal number. It's a small, I can count to five in one hand. Yeah, okay. And so I've definitely been punished yeah. for not exaggerating. And I've very rarely been had someone call me on my exaggeration. So I don't know. It's understandable that I do it, even though it may not be the right thing to do. Yep. I think that's right on the borderline, though. Like, if I were to tell a story where like, Hey, isn't it crazy? I did this. I told the truth and nobody reacted in a crazy way. Like maybe that is a good thing. Like mm-hmm. maybe I am off. Like, Hey, I had, I had two bologna sandwiches yesterday. Isn't that crazy? Nope. Yeah. It's not really time. that crazy. Like, Oh, well, I thought I was being extremely unhealthy. Like I'm maybe yeah, I can just sure. calm down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's value in everything, right? And, you know, there's some conveyance of information. Even when people are lying, their lies tell you something, but I don't know. I 
I sometimes, I, I don't know, especially if you're not really looking for validation. Like if you're telling the story because you kind of want some, you're, you're hoping for someone to tell you that what you're doing is not that bad, then you probably should tell them exactly what you did. Because if you exaggerate to tell the funny joke, but you're really wanting them to react as if it's no problem, then the exaggeration is going to hurt you, I guess. Right. Mm. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to tie this back to, yep. to rationality. Like, I feel like if I were to exaggerate and tell lies, because I thought I knew what the truth already was and I didn't care about anybody else's interpretation because I, I already assume like when I say I ate 10 hot dogs, I'm like, well, I, I know I ate a lot of hot dogs. Mm -hmm. The number doesn't matter. Like I want them to react in this way. And so I want, I want to get this reaction. So people think that I, I do a certain thing. Yeah, Which is kind of interesting because the fact that you exaggerated mm -hmm. it implies that part of you at least thinks five isn't that much. You know, <laughs> like, Mm -hmm. uh, just in case they actually react as though what I did wasn't that really that big of a deal, I'll exaggerate so they, you know, so they tell me it was a big deal. That's that's interesting. That's like you're, you're like a masochistic sort of thing. You just you want someone to tell you what you did was wrong or think what you did was wrong. Yep. Like I'm I'm aiming for the emotion of mm -hmm. wow, that's a lot. Like I, I will want that. So I know where to exaggerate this story to get that emotion. Yeah, in so context, it's kind of interesting because I, like the person, it sounds like what they're doing, they know it was wrong and they kind of want someone to <laughs> acknowledge that it was wrong so that they cannot do it again in the future. It's like, hey, am I am I living life correctly? Can you yeah, give me some yeah. feedback, please? Is 50 <laughs> hot dogs too many? Yep. Or is that So normal? you should just you know tell people like stuff exactly. But also... It's like being funny isn't necessarily the right thing to do in every situation, right? And so, like, maybe the lie is that what's important right now is that I get a laugh. It's so I exaggerate the story. Whereas the true thing would be I'd like to have a real, honest conversation with somebody, you know, with meaningful connection. And lying, even exaggerating this, while it's fun and funny, really isn't doing what I want this conversation to do. And so that's that's where the mm -hmm. lie comes from. If there is something at all. Yep. Yeah. It, I think being funny in, in that way can be almost like a, a habit or a coping me mm -hmm. mechanism of some kind. I mean, so can, I mean, t like lying, like you could definitely have that be a habit where you just, you don't care what the truth is. Like you just know what you want to get out yeah, of like this interaction. Lie, right? I guess that's sort of, you know, if mm -hmm. that's, if you do things like that, society has a name for you. You're not, it's not comedian. It's pathological liar, which is, I would not want to hang out with a person like that. I don't know anyone who's like, Oh, he lies all the time, but he's a pretty good guy. Normally if they're like, don't trust a single word that that dude says, he's constantly lying. They say it like annoyed by, from the person, you know? And so I think society understands that lying in excess and without purpose is a bad thing. Do you think somebody can be funny without being a truthful person or without having a solid understanding of what the Probably truth not. is, you know, maybe they can do it accidentally. I don't know. Like some, like the, the thing that I've laughed the hardest about maybe my whole life. And if you were to say like, Dylan, close your eyes and think of a funny thing. I would think of this in, in every time I've ever told a story, I've never gotten the response that it was funny. Never. Like, I, like I'll tell you the story. I guess if you want me to, I'm sure I've told you it already, okay. but it's it, like, it was so funny to me. And I, and I don't know if I can't explain it well enough or what, like, yeah, well, don't be I'm excited. They'll, they'll decrease the ability for it to be funny. Okay. So I won't I laugh, laugh but... with um, rats. 
And so we did drug discrimination studies and the, the rats were taken care of, you know, but, but as any living creature does, they eventually die. And one of our rats died. And so I asked the person, our supervisor, who, like, what should I do with it? And it was, the, the person was just another student. So not really a supervisor, I guess, but just, you know, someone who, a more experienced person in the lab. What should I do with it? She said, um, what we do is we bag them and put them in the freezer and then our professor will come and take care of it. And so I said, okay, okay. I put it in the, put it in the bag, put it in the freezer. And when I opened the freezer, there was 30 bags in there. And, and what I thought was so funny about it is the matter of fact tone that the person told me, this is what we do. This is what happens. This is the truth. This is happens. And when I opened the door, that's not what happened. What happened is you put it in the freezer and that's the end. Like that's what happens. And like, Oh my gosh, this like the, she said it so confidently that I was confident that that's, that's the truth. And I opened it and there was just picture perfect evidence that that's not the truth. And it, Oh my gosh. I think when you were telling that story and I was walking through it, what I imagined is that at least once a week, Yep. professor would come and yep. clear out the freezer of all the dead rats so there's there's very rarely a dead rat and there's yep. very rarely more than one or two so it's like there's 30 yeah, exactly. it's like so, so, so he doesn't do that right? something like, else happened don't, it just it was it was it told a story in two seconds one this person must clearly trust the professor a lot because as she puts rats in here the evidence piles up that what she believes is to be true is wrong but she still keeps believing it and then the professor just lied when he t- said that that's what happened. You know, like it was, it was a, a story all in and of itself. And it was so funny. So funny Even to this day. It just, Oh my gosh, I can remember that feeling. And most people are like dead rats. That's not funny. No, no, no. <laughs> that they die. I'm not laughing because 30 rats died. I don't think that's funny, but oh man. I guess I can tell another yeah, story that I, I thought was funny in context slightly to do with i mean lying is always a part of a joke where there's exaggeration of some kind but i was going to get my hair cut and obviously i was going for the cheapest place possible because i'm a cheapskate so i went to this really like rundown area and it was called like terminal airport or terminal barber there was no airport terminal near it at all so like that's a little bit off-putting right away and it was completely middle eastern which threw me off a little bit like every single person was middle eastern and spoke well, well, Arabic, me, actually, the there's a lot of different languages middle eastern uh, language yeah, yeah. well they're from iraq is where the the language is but like all the music all everything I'm like okay and so like this the dude that was gonna give me my haircut like i didn't know who to talk to like he was just sitting outside on a truck and then he walked in behind me and there was nobody like at manning a desk anywhere and i looked at him and he just walked up to a barber like station and just pointed at it I'm like am i next <laughs> am i getting my haircut right now and I, I go over there and I'm like, hey, can I get this haircut? And I showed him a picture on my phone. And he just like pushed the phone down. He's like, no, I'm going to shave you. And he brought up this razor. And he's like, I'm just kidding. But there was a small moment where I'm like, I think I'm going to get my head shaved right I can't now. back and, out of there. <laughs> and like very broken English, like, no, I shave you. I'm like, Jesus, okay. I guess that's what happened. And, but and very the funny part about it is that you like, in that split second, you just said, Yep, that's what's gonna like. This is what's gonna happen. I, I'm not gonna defend. Like, I'm not gonna get up out of here and run away and say no. You're gonna cut me. Nope. I guess I'm just gonna cut my head. And 
<laughs> like, man, you got yeah. the razor. Whatever you yeah. do is what happens. But, man, it's crazy. The kind of things that that was a joke. You know, he was just kidding about that. But if he hadn't been, that's what would have happened. Like, it's crazy how agreeable we are. Like, I would do the same thing and be like, oh, well, I don't want to make a fuss and I don't want to. Yeah. I will go yeah. along with anything you say, sir. Like, I. <laughs> I'm very weak. Well, and you're I'm in a, okay with almost any situation. You can treat me however you want. You know, you're not familiar with the rules here. Maybe everyone here is our friends, and if you say no, you're gonna get beat up later on. You know, like it's it's too much of a risk to say no, and so I'll just say, "Yep, okay." That's funny. I think it's funny. It's funny that happened yeah. to you. Definitely the first time at, at any place. Like first time I was at a bar as a 21 year old. I kind of just like looked around and oh, just yeah. did what everybody else was doing. Like any new, any new place yeah, I have a hard is like time that. Ordering from a bar. Like if, if, if I go to a bar and every single person is drinking like a, some like weird Mai Tai drink, mm-hmm. I will probably order that drink too. I'm not going <laughs> to. Yeah, those aren't here. the rules. If everybody's wearing a Hawaiian shirt, I might mm. go change, get a Hawaiian shirt. Like I'm, I'm going to do what they do. And so you think that like, okay, so, so we're, we're, we're talking about rules, not rules. We're talking about, um, a specific rule, telling the truth. Do you think there's some some truth in that story? Of like, do you think it, it's revelatory and why it's funny? Well, I mean, he mm-hmm. he told a lie that uh, I'm going to shave you was like mm-hmm. that's not what was going to happen. Oh, mm-hmm. and I think it was funny, like the the aggression of like, hey, if this were true, that would or if be it, funny. If it, if it, was okay i see what you mean wouldn't it be hilarious if that was the world that you it's almost like re- relief too right because it is not one of the theories of a joke is that it builds a tension and then the release of that tension is funny it's like makes you feel good i definitely believe yeah I, that that makes sense to me like i uh comedy was or jokes were explained to me in a way that like your brain thinks it knows what the answer is going to be but then the misdirection of mm-hmm. the of the answer is the is where the comedy comes yeah, in. Yeah, and so though the, the comedy is valuable, I think it's 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 really good. And so those lies are obviously okay. And I think again, it's because people know what a joke is, and if if you're joking, people forgive you your lies. It's fine. Like you're not really lying. You're not trying to convince someone of an untruth. But if he was gonna shave your head, and you just like freaked out, and then he's like, "Oh, I was kidding," that would be bad i think i think you would probably know unless he's really good really convincing you know and, and convinced you somehow that he wasn't lying but like that wouldn't be funny that wasn't a joke that was a lie and maybe jokes need to be immediately explained like they, they don't have to be explained but they have to be like immediately mm-hmm. present has to be understood a, a yeah you don't you shouldn't have to explain it well yeah they only say like explain jo- explaining a joke kills it but it's almost like if it has to be explained mm-hmm. It it dies like you know like it wasn't right it wasn't viable but like if if the guy if the guy didn't smile at the end of him saying that then it it wouldn't be a joke mm-hmm. it, it would have been something else yeah so not only do you have to well tell the truth or at least don't lie and there's it includes your words and also your physical actions yeah that's true so mm-hmm. like him saying I'm going to shave you and then smiling like I know that that's something else I know he is like he's doing something else. He's not giving me a factual statement right now. He's, mm-hmm. he's almost giving me a greeting. Like, mm-hmm. a yeah, exactly. Friendly, yeah, he's, he's would be a joke. You know, introducing himself. This is the kind of person that I am. You should relax. We're all friends here. 
so I think Jordan Peterson talks mm-hmm. about that. Like when he's examining himself for to, to see whether or not he's lying, it's not enough that the words he's saying have like are accurate, are, are true statements, but that the reasons he's saying them are true to themselves or true to himself. So he can't, he can't say things in order to like build up his standing. You know, that that's not what the, the purpose of his statements shouldn't be that, or he shouldn't say lies, I guess. Oh, how was dinner today? Oh, it was really good to say face. You know, if it was bad or, or, mm-hmm. or at least he has to determine whether or not he can say those things. And I think that there's a lot of, there, there are a yeah. lot of ways I lie like that. I don't say things that I should. And I say things that I shouldn't. And I don't, and I do things as if something is true when I know that's not true. And so that's kind of like a, an, a lie I act out. It's, it's really hard to, I mean, there are scenarios where I'm sure I could put you in a place where like, Hey, like you would be lying if you did this, but would you still lie? Like, let's say like, uh, your girlfriend's grandmother makes you a a steak, but just Mm -hmm. burns it terribly. She asks you how the steak was like, are you going to say burnt terribly? Like, I I don't know. Like it would be lying Mm -hmm. if I said it was good, but I, yeah. And that's kind of interesting. Cause like what, what's supposed to be done here? Like, She's not looking for feedback. Like, right? She's it... not looking to change her steak recipe. She's just, you know, looking to have her, like, her hospitality validated. It's not, it's not, you know, was mm-hmm. the steak enjoyable? It was, you know, do you is 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 my giving you a gift enjoyable to you? Having having received a gift like that, and in my in my younger years, I mean, still to this day, I guess too, but trying to avoid lying i would try to circle the question and answer it with Mm -hmm. a truthful statement at least where i'd be like hey i I appreciate you making me the steak for me yep like that's true that's fine and nobody gets hurt but like is that is that avoidance of the prevaricate talk around it lie or, or say all truth all true things but in a way that you know will be interpreted falsely I think yep. I definitely do that a lot or have done that a lot. And I think it's wrong, but I give myself permission because it's not lying. I, I mean, I, we could talk about this all day. Like, I still don't think I'm going to mm-hmm. say that. But again, it all depends on what it is. Like if it's not lying because she's not asking that, like the word she's saying is not the meaning she's mm-hmm. like, she doesn't care how her steak was. She's, she's trying to judge her hospitality. And I think if, if like mm. in that case, if her hospitality was good, then good. But if she was, you know, old, like she, if she, she was mean to you all night and, and, you know, rude and kept saying this vile, repulsive things to you, it'd probably be like, then when she says, Oh, did you enjoy your meal? No, I did not enjoy the meal. Like that might be true then. But if you, you know, if she was kind and just made a bad steak, then, Oh yeah, thank you. It was, it was good. I mean, it's hard. I mean, language itself is super confusing. So it's like to know when something is a joke, to know when somebody is saying, was a steak good? Or, hey, do you appreciate mm-hmm. the work I put in for you? Like words are words yeah. and then words are also something else, which which can get confusing, which is why you need to be in constant communication practice. with people. And so you can Well, yeah, because earlier on, subtleties. I think you talked about um, a a puppy learns not to bite because it it doesn't like it bites different levels and when it bites too hard 
other puppies react violently, like, you know, or they, they chastise it, they punish it somehow. And so it learns that when it's play fighting, you can only bite so hard. And I like, um, this is sort of like, you have to talk with a lot of people so you can try different methods. And so when someone asks you, how did you enjoy your meal? You can perhaps try with this person being extremely honest, brutally honest. And if that gets you a good reaction, well, then maybe you can be brutally honest with the mm-hmm. next person. And if it doesn't, then you can next time, you know, so, well, I bit a little too hard there. Yeah, I'm probably not going to practice. What, exactly, but but you, have, you, have to, probably, you have to practice, yeah, soft you have to interact there. with a lot of people a lot of times. And so you can, you know, so you don't have to risk anything on the valuable ones. You already know what works. And so you can just do the, 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 the effective, the right answer, I guess. Yeah. But if she, if she comes to you and says, Hey, Brady, yeah. no, I, I'm, ju- I'm entering a state competition. And I need you to eat this and tell me if I have a chance. Like that would be hard for me. Cause you want to be like, anything's possible. Like that's a true statement. Technically you could win with a burnt to pieces steak, but you know, everyone else would have to, yeah. Yeah. Everybody else would be <laughs> right, spreading like, COVID on so, their steak. Like, then you could say seasoning. a truthful statement untruthfully. Yep. You've got a shot, but really, you know, you know, just technically you do, but for all intents and purposes, you've got no shot. And then it'd be a really nice ethical question about how to, li- you know, whether it's lying or not and whether you should do it to save face or should you just support someone's desire to try their best. I, ugh. That, that's hard. I would probably lie and say it's probably pretty good. Yeah, that's, I mean, there, there are scenarios and like, I don't want to break this rule because I do think that setting yourself up to tell the truth is, I mean, it's, it does seem like the most effective way to go through life, but like trying to break it in a sense where like, is there scenarios where you think it's okay to lie? And yeah, right. Yeah. You, there, there are probably, but I think he's even said that before in, Earlier chapters, Jordan Peterson said this before in earlier chapters, he said, you know, he had a critique of dogma, like you ignore rules at your own peril. Sometimes rules and tradition need to be, you know, ignored and, and need to be moved past. Change does have to happen, but you do it at your own peril. And so I think mm-hmm. it's not breaking the rule to not follow the rule, sort of, because the rule is just, you know, try this first. And if it doesn't apply, then, you know, unfortunately you have to try something else. A couple of quotes I wrote down yeah, for sure. If you would be interested in those. Um, this one, I believe was by Nietzsche. A man's worth was determined by how much truth he could tolerate. And uh, it's kind of funny. Have you ever seen the, I have movie not 12 years a slave. Not a super fun movie to watch. Pretty really, I couldn't finish it. I I could obviously, but Mm -hmm. I I didn't want to. And I don't know if that's tied. Like I I thought of this movie when I I heard that quote because I mean it's just it's brutal. Like this guy just gets his back just whipped bloody, like rape scenes, and then the the one slave main character is like whipping another slave because the master just doesn't have the heart to do it anymore. <laughs> like, well, that's fun. Like that's how much truth I can handle. Like, I yeah, guess. That's, that's devastating. And I think there is like a man's worth is how much truth he can handle because it takes effort to be able to do that. It takes some moral fortitude and, and testicular fortitude, maybe if you, you know, to be crass, but 
I, I, I agree with it. And also, and I, I feel like I'm not a very valuable man then. I think uh, Jordan talks a lot about how he spent a lot of time in grad school understanding how he, if he was brought up in a Nazi Germany culture during World War II, how he could have become a yeah, and prison he uses that quote: like, "Nothing, there. nothing in human the- is foreign to me." Mm-hmm. I think, in a sense, that that reminds me of this quote: like trying to understand how terrible you can be is to understand a truth about yourself. Maybe you're right. I like like what do you mean by understanding the truth about yourself? Like so so. If you believe that you were, you are by because you're a better person than these people, incapable of this violence, that's a lie. In in you're 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 less you're worth that's less. That's a life lie, right? Does understand like, it's that. easier to say that anyone who could do that is evil than it is to look at look at the ways yep. that any person could have done those things. Yeah, like that that exists in a different time under a different culture. There's no way that I could. I have to even be responsible for myself not becoming that person. But it's extremely painful. I don't like that that self-revelation. Like, I mean, I, it, it's funny to me that you said that you, you couldn't... Well, or I shouldn't say funny because it's not funny. It's interesting. It, it, it is. I It resonates with me because I would have not watched yeah. that movie also. I would pick something else. And now that you've told me a little bit about it, I will not watch that movie. <laughs> Like I, I'm, I was familiar with the movie before I, I turned it on. I, I heard it described a lot like mm-hmm. the passion of the Christ, but with slaves, where it's just like brutal to watch. Like, I don't want to watch it. And then we were scrolling, me and my fiance were scrolling through movies and she's like, oh, I heard this was good. I'm like, that is going to be such <laughs> yeah, my, a my girlfriend wants to do this all the time. I don't know what it is. Like, do do women enjoy catharsis? Are they, are they like, braver individuals that they, that they want to feel pain in their in their free time like okay. she, i didn't ruin the movie for her but she was like oh it's gonna be good and i think what she thought the movie was gonna be was like obviously there would be the slave and like the terrible parts but she thought it was gonna be like this guy overcoming and maybe like beating up the slave owner at the end and then like getting to free he was a slave but that wasn't the case him. and that's not the case for a lot of slaves a lot of them probably right. died in servitude yeah. but uh the next quote I had was every bit of learning is a little death, which like you said before, you sense. have to give up. You have to recognize that you were wrong. You know, you have the part of you that believes this has to die in order to learn something. Mm-hmm. Your your current or previous self needs to die. Yeah, it's kind of it's existential to like, what are you? Are you a thing or are you the thing right now? Like my am I this continuous thing or am I just every night I die and wake up a new thing. Every time I have an idea, I die and the new idea creates a new me. It is hard. I mean, you could even be a child in a sense of you're if you're trapped in some traumatic event as a mm-hmm. child and you're just fixated on that, you would, you would never grow and you just, you yeah, would remain like a repression child. That thing is a very Freudian response. Mm-hmm. I've talked to some people about that and like some psychologists, like behavior analysis people are, are they don't agree, but it's, it's interesting because they say that doesn't that that's not scientific. And then they say 
almost that exact same thing with different words. That person's just, you know, been conditioned to do these things and, and punish when he doesn't do them. So he's stuck, you know, he, he's learns to do that way. Yeah. That's what Freud said. He just didn't, he, he didn't know, like he didn't use those words. He didn't say he was conditioned and, and there's reinforcement and punishments and, you know, like, yeah, well, yeah, don't, don't say man is wrong because he doesn't use the words that you want him to use. That's how I figured it anyway. But I'm also very pseudo-educated in psychology as well, and so it was fitting. I was actually going to bring that up on a previous point. I'm not sure if we're going to cut that part off, but you're talking how, like, where does the richest African-American mm-hmm. or where does the richest black person live in, in America? And then I was going to bring up that quote where like, well, what is a man with all the riches, but who lost his soul? And I think that's like a lot of the argument for the inequality, like not exactly that they're unable to get wealth mm-hmm. is that they are unable to live a, a more fruitful life than like a- Well, it's interesting because like what the, what is desired? Is it equity or is it everyone to do better? And so I bet a lot of people would prefer, it's almost like the, the Russians dragging people down. It's, 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 your suffering is made so much worse if somebody else isn't suffering. You know, if, then, then you're, you go back to another one, you have to compare yourself mm-hmm. to who you were today instead of who everyone else is. Or sorry, can, we, can you compare yourself to who you were yesterday and not who somebody else is today? Because if you compare, if, if you're judging your value based on other people, you're screwed. You're going to, you know, you're, you're going to be um, <clears throat> unsatisfied forever. But like, is, is the current economic system of the United States with all of its inequities, a bad thing because is inequity you know, there there are inequalities, or is it outstanding because even at the bottom it's better than being the bottom anywhere else in the world? Like and, and okay, so if 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 everyone in the world increased or everyone in the United States increased their GDP or their their, their salary, their buying power by ten percent. Is that better than the one, the bottom one percent increasing, the bottom ten percent, whatever, increasing their buying power by eleven percent, but the richest one percent increases it by thirty percent? You know, which would you rather be? Well, it's better to be the bottom one percent in the second scenario than it is in the first scenario, except it feels way worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what to do with that. I know. Uh, Jordan talks a lot about people with low IQs, people with below 80 IQs and how the military has no use for them because there's nothing that they can do that will not be absolutely counterproductive. So what yep, yep. they you can't be, trust them to do their tasks competently yeah, no. and having them around is worse than not having them. And that is about 10%. Oh, really? Is that how the, the, oh the distribution of IQ works? So 10% of people, so the 10% will say if IQ is related to wealth, the bottom 10% of the GDP pool in America, what do you do with that? How do we, how do we get them to have more money? Like, well, there's nothing that they really can do for themselves because they're just not, they're not Mm -hmm. mentally capable of succeeding. And I, I don't want this to be associated with race, but just with the IQ points. So like, how do we, how do we make, equality better if if we're just relying on people's self-determination to to better themselves like, mm-hmm. well, yeah and, and a world based on competency or where you're rewarded based on your competency 
will have the incompetent mm-hmm. not rewarded. And so are you, are you, are you okay with people not yeah, being rewarded? Just... If, if rewarded means living and having children and being happy, like those are the rewards of life way more than money is right. And so <clears throat> only the competent get to have those things is a hard sell, but who's going to pay for it. Right. Like, so, so I keep seeing things like on, on Instagram it must be a, a trend right now, but the comment that America was the only country in the world that said no when asked the question, is food a human right? People in America say that food is not a human right. Like you should only get food if you can pay for food. Which, yeah, oh, yeah, but, but that's paying. Your food. You know, you're not paying in money, but you're paying in, in effort and, and yeah. time. Yeah, like sure. my understanding of what is a right like I, I, it's it's hard for me to even think of rights, because if if it requires the investment of other people for me to have this thing, then it can't be a right. Like in my mind, it's hard for me to conceive of ways that that's the case, because you know why why should my existence require others to perform tasks? You know, for for me to have food, mm-hmm. someone else has to grow it for me. Yeah, the freedom of speech makes sense. Yeah, because it was, it was like freedoms from, right? Freedom of your own. Yeah, you're, you're freed your from people speech. abusing you, and in in that way, that like, the the food should be human right because no one should take what's yours from you. But yeah, it should be a human right for nobody to but steal your food, right? But that you don't freedom stolen for other people to like freedoms to have things is such a, is so different for me. Like if freedoms or like it, it's a right that someone gives it to you that that's a hard sell for me i like the um uh it was a biblical I, quote so you know, what does it earn a man to or what what is it ah, what is it to have everything but lose his soul to win everything what is it gain a man to have everything but to lose his soul oh yeah uh thank you guys for listening this has been pseudo combos with Braden and dylan uh Please email us at pseudocombos at gmail.com if you're interested in hearing any episodes or follow us on Twitter, Reddit, all or that Facebook. Pseudocombos. That's the, the handle for all of those things.